Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA and the Suns. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Hour number three of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Lines, our good friend Jay Williams, co-host of Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max on ESPN. Jay Will, what's going on, man? What's up, boys? You know, it's been a, it's been a spirited day. Had a little bit of a, <laughs> a first take debate uh, I watched uh, in real time between Kendrick Perkins and J.J. Redick, which was Extremely entertaining, uh, sitting courtside with a tub of popcorn. And uh, we got this whole John Morant issue going on, too, in the Western Conference. So, you know, I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. You know what, honestly, you, you brought it up. I have to ask you about John. What, 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 what do you think of this, Jay Will? Where do you think it's all headed? So, well, if there, um, I'm going to say a couple of names I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with. But, like, um, there are... Some rappers out there, like NBA Young Boy, uh, Little Baby, um, and these guys are like are big time rappers, right? And uh, in a lot of their videos, you see them with guns. You, and you just it's a lot of that kind of talk, like where you know it's just about like the lifestyle and yeah. and holding it. And I think, frankly, like what we're seeing with John Morant, have you guys ever you know seen a kid like I, I had a couple friends like this when I lived down in Miami several years ago. Um, where I would see them, you know, sitting on a Ferrari and I would see that like on their Instagram and it's like living that life. Right. I'm like, that's not your Ferrari. (laughs) You actually live in a one bedroom apartment. (laughs) Like, why are you flaunting? And I think for me, like what I'm seeing from John Morant is somebody who that's not who he is, but like he's portraying this lifestyle um, because like, that's what, like that's what that Memphis scene is that he's rolling with. Like that's the NBA young boy. That's a lot. It's like almost his own, Music rap video mm. is what Ja was doing. And I, I frankly believe that when there are no repercussions for your actions, because typically whenever somebody tells you no, you can find ways for somebody else to tell you yes, that we have came to you know, uh, a cataclysmic point in Ja Morant's life where an intervention has occurred now between Adam Silver and the NBA and the Memphis Grizzlies. And I hope it's a turning point for him that this portrayed lifestyle, the one that you're not actually living uh, it's only going to work to your detriment and you need to be comfortable with who you are with this fame and this attention and know that it's not about who you're portraying yourself to be. You got to figure out who you actually are. And that is being the best representation of your family and your organization. And mm-hmm. from somebody that went through making a mistake, trust me, I have firsthand experience and I wish I had a second chance to showcase how I learned. And I hope that the same thing doesn't happen to Ja. We're talking to Jay Williams, and yeah, Jay. I mean, now now there there are repercussions. We don't even know when he's when he's coming back. But I I thought the encouraging part, I guess, for the, the lack of a better term, this this week was it, it did sound like Ja Morant kind of gets it now, and it, and it wasn't just like, hey, here's a bunch of people telling Ja what he has to do. It, it seemed like you know, based on that statement, that he understands things have to change because he's got. I mean, saying he has a bright future in this league is an understatement. He could be like an all-time great if he just, you know, just stays on track. Look, he can be the face of the NBA. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the young faces in the NBA. And think about, I mean, how how much things have changed. Like, you know, Nike, who let Kyrie go, and that's for another conversation, but you let Kyrie go and then you want to give this young fella 
a signature shoe, and then this happens, you're saying, well, wait, wait, wait a second, what, what are we doing here? So I think there's generational wealth at stake. And I, I think there's a young man who's just trying to navigate this new lifestyle, uh, which frankly is disorienting. For anybody who's been a pro, for anybody who's came into money at a young age, uh, it's, it's not the easiest task uh, to walk this path and just be secure and confident in who you are when you're influenced by so many different variables. No doubt about it, Jay. Appreciate you being so open and coming on the air and talking to us about this. How about Kevin Durant and the Suns? Um, your thoughts on what you're seeing? It's a small sample size, but your thoughts so far? I mean, look, I've said this before about his game. I think one of the reasons why I think he is the greatest scorer ever to play the game is because his game seamlessly fits into any strategy, mm. any scheme. If you need him to take 20 dribbles to get a shot, he can do it, but that's not who he is, right? And and, and, and I will say this because I, I heard him say it directly to me. Like him going to Golden State was almost like it, it was an it, it was like um, an iPhone 3.0. Right, like when you're playing offense or when you're in that first iPhone, you're like, man, it doesn't do this. We got to update the iOS system, like all these other things. And I think going to Golden State, like, oh, this is what a continuity offensive scheme looks like. Oh, here's how to pick your spots. I was already efficient and being plugged in. I think, frankly, it's opened up opportunities for Devin Booker to be more prolific. I, I, I said this today. I'm like, this is going to allow Devin Booker to become more of like that Kobe Bryant that we saw a couple of years ago mm. during the NBA playoffs because now he could be a playmaker. And now KD attracts so much attention that him off down screens, off pins, off curls, you can't leave him on that side. So you can run so many, so much, which is one of the reasons why he's having games eight, nine, 10 assists, 11 assists. Because the games, the court opens up, and Katie doesn't need the ball every possession. So uh, there's still challenges, I think, for Monty Williams and his team, but I think Katie's fit has been seamless. I still wonder about their depth, and I still wonder about them defensively, you know, who they'll be, because they have to make a lot of improvement. And also, like, you know, scheme is going to be, you know, making CP3. Like, CP3 is going to have to make big plays down the stretch because you're going to limit everything that Katie and Devin Booker do, which is going to leave it to the traditional point guard to make things happen. And if CP3 can deliver, then it'd be worth the championship mm-hmm. run. Talking to Jay Williams, Jay, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the, the Kobe reference because we heard you make it last week, and that's obviously not a name that gets brought up lightly. And I'm not saying Devin Booker is Kobe Bryant, but but he does have that mentality if some doors open yeah. up. I mean, that's that's a very high ceiling to potentially hit. Yeah, but you know, it's like I... I, I, I I'm going to speak for myself. I feel like I epitomize Kobe in, in, in my lifestyle, right? And I think sometimes people conflate when they hear Kobe, like, oh, it's going to equate to the championships. And it's not about that. It's more about how you, like, what, what is your approach to the game? Like, how do you, mm. how do you play it? Yeah. And I think for me, like, I've been around B Book since, I mean, a high school All-American game where I just saw him work and I saw him thriving and I saw him keep going. There is a relentless pursuit of excellence that to me epitomizes who Kobe Bryant was and anything he did. And for me, like that, that's what I see in Devin Booker. Are there games somewhat similar? Sure. And will it equate to him winning, you know, multiple NBA championships? I hope so. But that relentless pursuit of being the best and being aggressive and I, you know, I need him to get, get engaged in, 
you know, talking trash to Luca a little bit earlier, but still, like, I, I like that. Like, that's who Devin Booker needs to be, and we're watching him grow right in front of our eyes as well. I only got a minute. I only got a minute here, but I have to ask you this. What would you try to do to slow down Book and Durant? What would you try to do to slow the Suns down? I mean, I would give them a variety of multiple coverages. I would I would blitz them all pin downs. I would force I would force CP3 to be us. I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm going to clog the paint, I'm going to limit touches, I'm going to run double teams at them, I'm trying to get the ball in their hands. I, I have to make guys like Craig guys, CP3, other guys beat us. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, um, I, I think that is going to be the, the – that's why I said CP3 is going to have to come through or DeAndre Ayton has got to come through in the stretch because if, if you are going to be able to catch these guys a couple of games or you limit them, um, the calling card will be there for CP3 to have some prolific offensive games, and he's going to need a couple. I'm not saying he's going to do it consistently, but there's going to be some times where you're going to need CP3 to put up 25, yep. 30 points on top of 10 assists. And uh, that's going to be playoff basketball because they're going to take a lot of those looks from D. Brook and Kevin Durant away. Jay Williams, always Thank great you, to Jay. talk to you, man. Thank you for the time. All right, boys. Have a good day. Right, good, you brother. Too. That's Jay Williams joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, nobody knows just how long Kyler is going to be out at the start of next season. So who do you trust to be the Cardinals quarterback until he gets back? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show here. Talked about going to break, Wolf. They um, they have a big question, the Cardinals do, at quarterback. Start this season. I will say I got distracted too by NFL Network. Did um, they took Anthony Richardson running the forty, and they superimposed it over the other quarterbacks running the forty? Oh yeah, they do that all the time. This was Shane Doan's actually pretty good idea last week, where he said you should just have them run the forty like an actual event, like have them all line up and run next to each other like a track and field meet. But they did. They they went ahead and superimposed. He was way ahead of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great idea right there. It is a good idea, a isn't it? competitiveness. Yeah. Make it a little more entertaining. It's not just you against the clock. It's you against that dude. I think that they should line them up instead of, and, and I understand that the, they, they want to get everyone's time. I think they should line up like 15 across yeah, and, race. <laughs> and race all at the same time. Because uh, Deion Sanders used to always joke that he had next guy speed, and he would just be faster than the guy next to him. Yeah. And I think you want to see who has next guy speed. If there's a guy that's out there that's like, oh, uh, I, you know, you know how fast you have to be. Maybe the clocks are a little slow. I don't know if that's a thing, but maybe they are. <laughs> that time, maybe. It's like Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice coming out of college, man, ran a 4.65. 4.65 coming out of college. Don't you think it would be faster if he was running with other players? Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I just know if the ball is in the air, he's running a 4.4. Four. Yeah. He ran as fast as he had to to beat you. Just an incredible and, receiver. And then proved it with the greatest receiving career of all time. Over yes. and over again. Uh, here, this is Diana Rossini just tweeted this out a couple minutes ago. Adam Schefter retweeted it. You ready for this? No. The well, It's good because it's coming. The New York Jets have flown on Woody Johnson's private plane to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers in person per sources. They land soon. The Green Bay Packers have given New York permission to speak with Rodgers. 
I would hope so if they flew across the, the country. Packers. Yeah. Here, go ahead. The Packers are like, man, is there anything we can do? Can, <laughs> we, can we send you a little dinner? Yeah, we can, you, we with can your gas up the right jet there? for you if you want. Is there a, a bottle of champagne you'd like to actually <laughs> crack? It's amazing what is going on. And yet at the same time, this is exactly what happened with Brett Favre. It's so incredible that this has happened. I, I'm sorry. It really is. When you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, you, you can't talk about it. Unless you're talking about Brad Favre. Well, especially if he goes and to the exact happened? same team. The stage. You're talking about two guys that played how many years together is it? I, I, I want to say 33, 32. I don't know. It's a lot. A lot of years. And, and, and they, drafted, they drafted Aaron Rodgers to replace Brad Favre. And Brett Favre got weird near the, the end of his career, and yet he, he's, he's a Green Bay legend, just like Aaron Rodgers is a Green Bay legend, and he's just getting weird at the end of his career. It's, <laughs> it's, all, it's happening all over again. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like that. I, I will, I'll play the odds that Jordan Love isn't going to be as good as Aaron Rodgers. The way Aaron Rodgers was as good as Brett Favre, basically. No way. I would say Rodgers ended up being better than Favre. I'm trying to... So so Favre played for the Packers, what, 16 years? 16 years sounds good. Then he went to the Jets, and Aaron Rodgers has played for the Packers... (laughs) Trying to count this on the air. More than 16 years, actually. He's played 18 years. 18 years? Are you sure this isn't going to be his 18th? Maybe this is going to be his 18th. Okay. I would have said 17, which 33, right? Well, I'm doing the math correctly, 16 and 17. Yes. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. But also, you're wrong. He's played 18 years. Okay, he has but, played but his, 18. But his okay, first so three years, 30, okay. his first three years, he never played. That's the whole point, right? No, he's right. been in the league for but 18 still, years. Still, he's been in the league for 18 years. There you go, right there. Okay, so, yeah, you know, think about Green Bay fans. I just, it just bothers me to know and it really does i you know i i love green bay fans those are the best fans in the league in terms of treating you well they are I, they, they wave to you after they beat you i kid you not they they are the best fans i can't remember anybody ever cussing me out or any other player on the sideline from green bay i i honestly mean that that is now it's not like I played there a lot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I as a matter of fact, through a weird twist of fate, um it was my last year with the Los Angeles Rams. That was your that first I game in Lambeau. Played in Lambeau Field. Oh. Okay, but you, you just heard so many good things. I played I played some preseason games, but not regular season games up there. So it was just a weird situation. But you just didn't get people screaming at you. They waved at you in Green Bay. They're the best fans. But think about the two quarterbacks they've had and the success the Packers have had with those two quarterbacks. Do you have any idea how spoiled they are as a fan base? It's not even close. You're talking about three decades of being competitive, of going into an NFL season thinking, we got a shot. We got a, we're going to be okay. We got a chance. It's, it's truly amazing to me. But were you the kind of player that opposing fans yelled at? Yes. <laughs> I know. I was yeah, only, only the from the standpoint that I didn't, um, back down and got I dog treats thrown yeah, at I you. Did, I didn't like, <laughs> I did not like it. When you yelled at me, 
Well, so Green Bay did. See, even to this day, when I when I hear profanity, ladies and gentlemen, to this day, I think you want to go, don't you? <laughs> that that's why you use the profanity. Why, why else would you use it? You're that hot that you want to go. Yeah, okay, buddy. You got a wall and three cops separating me and you. Okay, let's go. That's why I got pulled out of the crowd twice. So I'm going to throw some names at you, okay? This is going to be the most simple transition ever. No, it's not. I'm going to throw some names at you, and you stop me when I get to one that you like as the Cardinals quarterback to start next season. Now, again, the parameters. Kyler Murray's almost certainly not going to play in week one. No. He may play in week three. We don't know. He yeah. might not play till week eight or nine. Who? Uh, you, you, there's <laughs> no way to know. And they don't know. This yeah. isn't like something where like they're keeping it secret. They don't know yet either. No. So you're going to have to add a legit quarterback. Here's the names that were in your email. I'm going to read them. Okay. Sure. Now, there's more, but there's, yeah. there's a few. Jacoby Brissett seems to be the obvious one. Yeah. Marcus Mariota. My response is, go Ducks. Wow. Marcus Mariota. She hit that before I even read yeah, it. Yeah. Marcus Mariota. Interesting. Interesting, Marcus. That, that one is <laughs> interesting. It, it is. It all de- it all depends what kind of offense you're going to run. How much of the blending of the old and the new are you going to do, JG? Well, that's kind of where I was going with this. Who they add is going to tell us what kind of offense they're going to run, or at least give us an indicator, right? It kind of because Marcus Mariota. Think about this right here. Um, the Atlanta Falcons. Marcus Mariota played for the Atlanta Falcons, and the Atlanta Falcons were blending the old and the new as well as any team, maybe outside of the Cleveland Browns. Maybe outside of the Cleveland Browns, they were blending it as well as anybody. I'm talking about shotgun, pistol. Here we go, under center, Marcus Mariota. Um, And I think it's one of the reasons why Marcus Mariota struggled, because they were trying to blend all of it, where Marcus Mariota, I think, is better situated and better suited to actually be in a new age offense. But that's an interesting name. Remember that name. That's a possibility. Um, here's a couple more real quick. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy. Taylor Next. Heineke. Taylor Heineke. I feel like that guy just wins and then is always replaced by somebody who's not as always. good. Why, why are people always trying to replace Taylor Heineke? I, possibly because it was Washington. They didn't know what to do with the wins. I mean, he's not <laughs> it, wow. it's not like it's, wow. it's, it's not like some all-time quarterback, but it feels like he feels like a, you I could go plug him in. Can I go back to Jacoby Brissad? You can. We just, I, think I didn't we get to all Baker agree. Mayfield. We have yeah. to, I know, Baker, 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 Baker. Yeah. Go uh, ahead and go back to Jacoby. Patty Cake, Patty Cake, Baker's man. Um... Don't bake me a cake as fast as you can, Baker. <laughs> you have to complete it once you say it. I understand. I'm sorry yeah, about that. <laughs> you had to complete it. You finished right it. Right as we go to break. And Maloney immediately gave us the, yes, break, the course, break sign. But Jacoby Brissett is the leader in the clubhouse. He's got to be. Can you imagine? I mean, he already knows the offense that Drew Petzing wants to run here. He knows it and could regurgitate it. Oh, yeah, I think the Cardinals are going to be all over him. We're going to get more into that because I, I like the idea of Jacoby Brissett, but it's not like the Browns were 8-0 with him and Petsing. You know what I mean? Like, they've worked together, but it's not like they were winning a lot. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, is Kevin Durant the best thing that's happened to Devin Booker in the NBA? We'll look at some of the numbers next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back in the middle of the line. 
Why? And I'm trying to time this oh, around the oh, drop right here. Yeah. Cut it off. All right. We had our own Kevin Zimmerman on the show earlier today. Yeah. Like you're about to no, say I, no I, I, I'm not. I'm trying to sit here and absorb this. All right. Okay, turnstile, I guess, based on It's interesting. Borderline tunnel time music. Okay, a little. Well, it was, they tried to kick it in right there, and then they lost me when they didn't really kick it in. Well, they kicked it in for a second. Okay, yeah. They, they picked but it, it back wasn't up later. Kick it. Well, it wasn't Lincoln Park. Like, okay, that's Lincoln fair. Park will kick it. Okay, I'm sorry. They right. will. No, they'll, they'll blow your face off. They, and that, when you're talking about tunnel time, that's what you want. Something that actually blows your face off. Just continuous speaking, face blowing. Oh, still, yes. okay. it makes you <laughs> want to just put it on somebody. It's a good drop, though. Um, Kevin Durant and his impact on his teammates here with the Phoenix Suns, our own Kevin Zimmerman, who we had in uh, in the 10 o'clock hour. You can certainly go back and find it on the podcast page. Uh, wrote up a piece for ArizonaSports.com. Look, we all see it. We all see that the Suns are better with Kevin Durant right now, but, but how much of it is sustainable? How much is going on behind the scenes? Like, he looked at the efficiency of the Booker and KD duo, and those two have attempted 117 shots through three games. So right there, that's, and they're hitting basically 61% of them. So it's only three games. That's the caveat to everything right now. But Kevin Durant is one of the most efficient shooters in the NBA. Like he's, I'm taking out like the Zion's not a good example because Zion doesn't play. Anthony Davis, I guess he doesn't play a ton either. But like those guys that are shooting from three inches away from the rim, that's a little bit different. Yeah. In terms of guys that actually like will pull up and, and take a mid range shot or hit threes, to be shooting as efficiently as Kevin Durant does, there aren't a lot of guys that do that. To me, that's sustainable. He's been doing it his entire career. You know what's amazing about what you just said right there is just the fact the last game they played was against the Dallas Mavericks, and we all know they have Kyrie Irving and they have Luka Doncic, and then, of course, there was Devin Booker out of the floor with KD. KD took the least amount of shots in the game of those four guys, mm-hmm. and he scored the most points, 37. That, that, to me, that is Kevin Durant, to your point. Take seventeen shots and and score thirty seven points. Yes, like if you just if you hit every shot and they were all twos, you'd only score thirty four points. And that's if you were shooting one hundred percent. So yeah, look, he he has been that efficient guy his whole career. I don't think that's going to change. The combination with Booker though, because Booker's been shooting fifty six percent over these last few games, and for his career, Booker is is pretty efficient considering where he shoots from. Uh, but he shoots 46% for his career, which is that's good for, for a player at his position. But um, he's not going to see the coverage now that he used to see. And we're already getting a, a taste of that through the first three games. That efficiency, if they can keep doing that, is going to make everybody else on the jobs easier, on the team's jobs that much easier, but also that much more important. Because we're at a point where if anybody else goes off and has a big game, the Suns probably win. Mm-hmm. But as we saw on Sunday uh, against Dallas, if nobody else can hit a shot, which was kind of the case in the first half, that, that's how they're going to lose games if they lose games. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go back to the plus minus that Zim actually used um, on his article, of course, ArizonaSports.com. Go check it out. In regard to Devin and Kevin and how well it has actually gone. It is, for me, right now, I think it's the best case scenario. 
when we were all sitting around thinking, boy, what's it going to be like when Devin Booker and Kevin Durant get on the floor together? What is it going to be like? We were all sitting, how, how many weeks did we talk about that for? Three. It, yeah. Felt like <laughs> it was 80. a long time. Yeah. It was a long time, and we were all speculating as to what it was going to look like. And right now, I realize it's a very small sample size. But right now, they're 3-0. and Never forget, that is the most important metric of this whole thing. Of any type of discussion about the Phoenix Suns and how well it's going, is this the best-case scenario? It's always going to come back to the bottom line, which are wins and losses right now. They're 3-0 and with KD in the lineup. 3-0, and and yet the best-case scenario... When you think about it, is the Suns are playing really, really well when Devin Booker and KD are on the floor together. 16.3 plus minus right now. That is number four in the association. Number four. Not bad for only playing three games. No, and that leads into the, the fact that they, for the most part, well, they can do this whenever they want. For the most part, one of them is always on the floor. I think there was a couple possessions it felt like against Dallas where, where neither Booker or KD was on the floor, but they could be. Yes. They absolutely could be. Yes, but you know what? What, what would be better than one of them being on the floor and playing really, really well? Is Yes, it would be both of them <laughs> on the floor. both of them <laughs> on the floor, and they're playing great. It's their best. They're playing their best when they're both on the floor. Now, it's only three games. Well, that's not going to change. It. They're going to play their best with Booker and KD on the floor. I don't think that's going to change over the next however many games they play. Sure. Uh, but you it's would just, hope. It, it's, that is the that's the big one to me. Yeah. That they are getting along. It, coexisting, if you will. You asked uh, Jay Williams about this right as, as we were wrapping up the interview before, and you were like, okay, how would you try and stop this team? And he said something that I think is really... It, it's it's interesting because I think it it's probably the path teams are going to try and go down, and when you say it out loud, it, it doesn't doesn't paint a great picture for the opposition. They're going to go into games probably saying we got let's make CP three beat us. We're going to try and shut down, and they're not going to shut down, but try to slow down Booker and Durant, uh, but but leave CP three yes. to be the guy taking big shots. Now, as we have seen last year, and it's even more pronounced right now, he'll hit them late in the game. He's kind of been all over the place these last few games early in the game with his shot. But if that's really the best plan an opposing team can come up with, well, we'll just make Chris Paul beat us. I know. That's a pretty good spot to be in if you're the Suns. Now, I get it. In the past, he's been hurt or he's been unavailable or hasn't been himself in the playoffs. So that is still the... It's weird. Chris Paul is, like, in some ways still their most important player and also, in some ways, still their potential Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. It really is that... but. But it, it is, is Chris Paul. If he's your third option, that's not bad. Yeah, it's so interesting, too, because, again, in Zim's article that he wrote on ArizonaSports.com, something is just so cool, basically, some really cool metrics that he used in here. Chris Paul is hitting 51% on catch-and-shoot attempts. 51% right now. This is something you were talking about earlier as well. He well, I stole it from Zim's article. He averaged one and a half catch and shoot attempts per game this season. But with KD, he's averaging 3.3 attempts. And so much of the time, too, they're coming later in the fourth quarter. Teams are saying, okay, okay, we're not going to let you, Buck. We're not going to let you beat us. And we're not going to let you, KD, beat us either. We're not going to let you guys. We're going to do whatever we can. Somebody's going to be wide open. 
somebody's going to have some open looks. And if CP3 is on the floor, they're going to want him to take that shot. They're sloughing off of Chris Paul. And I think we've seen this. CP3! I can't stand that guy's voice. But I think (laughs) we've... We've seen this, I think, late in the last few games here I, that I, he's played, and he's hit his shots. Absolutely, we have seen that, and we have also seen, especially in the Dallas game, how many times it was like, oh, you know, KD scored the, the Suns' last eight points. So oh, Devin Booker scored the Suns' last eight points. So oh, Kevin Durant has scored the Suns' last seven points. Yeah. You'd have to go back and really dissect the film, and you'd have to have more than three games. But does that not sound like a duo that other teams know they can't stop them both at the same time? So, okay, mm-hmm. oh, KD's scoring all these points. Okay, well, everybody kind of put the focus on him. All right, well, then Booker's scoring all these points. All right, shift the focus back over to Booker. Okay, now KD's scoring. Like that, that's kind of the way this is supposed to play out. Pick your poison. The, the Suns, I, I heard the morning show talking about this driving in today. And I agree. I, I'm sure there's some longtime Suns fans out there that be like, oh, you guys are undervaluing so-and-so and so-and-so. But they haven't had a duo like this ever. And the Suns have had some really good duos. Yeah. But to have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and to have, I don't know, two of the top ten players in the league on your team at the same time in their prime, not, not oh, you know, one of them used to be great and now he's just kind of playing out the string. To have two of them and then to have Chris Paul as almost an afterthought in all these conversations for the last three weeks? Yes. This is why it's still surreal. Here's the incredible thing about this, and again, I know I'm talking a lot about Zim and his article on Sports.com. I think I'm doing a great job actually driving this. You are. are. The numbers right now on the website are just, we're going to break the URL. Um, can you do that? I don't know can, what you, you're no, talking about. You can't about. break the URL. <laughs> you probably can. Let me, break anything. But check this out. The Suns are sixth offensively, okay, in offensive rating. Sixth. And they're sixth defensively in defensive rating over the three games. Small sample size, yeah. once again. But, man, that's Second a good one's trend. Second one's a big one. That's, that's a good trend. Because you would expect their offense to be top 10 for Correct. sure, if not top, top 5 or top 3 or whatever. But the defense, that's we'll get back into that a little bit later on in the uh, in the show. All right, when we come back over to football, Tom Brady has been retired for 34 days. And there's talk that he might come back. We'll go through the latest news around the National Football League next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Aaron's bringing it with the music today, as usual. Totally. <laughs> I'm enjoying the rejoin. As we say in the business. Turn that up in your own ear. You know what I mean? We did. We both reached and turned it up <laughs> separately. Here we this go. I would say is more of Tunnel Time. Turnstile, that one song, I do like that song. Their other okay. stuff's a little more mellow. Oh, of course you do. There's nothing mellow about this. <laughs> you want to? Back, this might be one of their more mellow songs. Yes. Let's see. Now look at it. They understand. Bring it. Down because you just can't have all of it up top. Ah, no, 
Oh, bring me contrast because that breeds emotion, doesn't it? Contrast breeds emotion. Let me write that down. What was the word you kept saying at the start of the show, too, that I wrote down? I was going to look up later. Satiety? Satiety. Satiety level. High satiety? Of course. Okay. All right. Are you satiated? We're just going to direct the conversation back to Tom Brady. Although I promise you this. This whole segment's not going to be about Tom Brady because you could drive yourself crazy talking about Tom Brady retiring and unretiring every single year, I guess, forever. Yeah. Because. This is maddening. Here is Rich Eisen. Remember, this is day 34. Tom has been retired for 34 whole days. Maybe he doesn't know what retirement means. Maybe he thinks it's just like a month long thing. Don't do it, Tom. Um, here's, uh, but where you get to a point in like five years where Aaron Rodgers can be taking longer darkness retreats than Tom Brady is, is, uh, retired. Here's Rich Eisen. <laughs> Number one rumor I heard at the combine, not in terms of a lot of yacht chatter, but this, this one just blew my mind. Tom Brady may not be done after all. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a couple people are like, just, you just hang on. Just you wait. Well, wait for and I'm like, I'm, 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 for? I'm like, he's Instagramming out videos of his cat. Yeah, you know, trips. yeah, he was at UFC he, over the weekend. I, I know, but it doesn't look like he's getting uh, big, big and fat, does it? And and that he's just let, like let it play out. Let's see who wants what. And and the one place that folks are saying keep an eye out for is Miami. And if the Dolphins cannot somehow, if they get somehow some way, um, a. You know, a, a doctor's report, a piece of information from a medical evaluation of Tua that he may not be ready to go. And suddenly there's Tom Brady sitting in Florida where his family is located and where he can easily locate himself. Keep an eye on that. I was told by a couple of birdies, a couple of birdies. So what not just you, one. What do you think about that? I'm over it. <laughs> I'm just over You're it. You're just dude. over Tom Brady. So here's my, I was over Tom Brady like eight years ago. Like I get that he's great and it's amazing and, and I'm not taking away anything he did in his career, but I just, I'm kind of ready to, to, are we at a point where there's not enough good, young, new quarterbacks coming into the league where Tom Brady has to keep unretiring and Philip Rivers, apparently there was a story out there that he was talking about, uh, he was talking to San Francisco, I think Miami was the other team last year during the season, hey, you want me to come back? Like, do we not have anybody else coming up? I I just honestly, I don't know what it is, I I, I think I do, but the quarterback thing, man, they just can't walk away, they just can't do it for whatever reason. Especially if you've been around for a long, long time. It's one of the reasons why I respect Kurt so much. Kurt Warner could have played. He could have continued to play. He could have when he retired. He still had game. Kurt walked away. He knew he was done. And his wife wanted him to be done as well. But but Kurt, I, I think, would also tell you that he he knew he was done. And, um, yeah, I think he might have had some regret. We'll have to get Greybeard on and ask him that question, if he did have any regret, if he ever thought of coming back. But, to me, he did it the right way. He did. He's a legendary, legendary Hall of Fame quarterback. And he did it the right way. He walked away. And he said, you know what, I just, I'm done. 
I, I've had enough. I realize each person is different. And I realize it's your prerogative to do it. It is Tom Brady's right to say, no, I'm not done. But when you say, I'm retired, and you cite your family, and then you come back after citing your family as to why you were retiring, okay, that, to me, is... You know, not great. All right, so let me let me just say this. And then this. you retire again. For Tom Brady's part, while you were talking, I decided to go to his Twitter page to see if he said anything, right? Because you would think if this is just ridiculous, he would he would probably go to social media and shoot it down. And he did. Tweet in the last hour. He did? He did. Anyone who thinks I have time to come back to the NFL has never adopted a two-month-old kitten for their daughter. Okay, that's kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah, I guess. I've never adopted a two month old kitten for my daughter. So does that mean I think Tom Brady's coming back? Is this like one of those weird math problems? Yeah. Um, Tom. I'll believe it when next just, season starts and he's not playing. Just really. Uh, but I, but okay. I will say this last year when he retired, I believed it about 5%. This year, I believe it about. Seventy percent. I, I still think he's not wow. coming back. Okay. Last year, I mean, you remember? I was like, "It's great, he retired. Why? Why even yeah, say no, it? You're not going that. to." I thought there's no way the goat's not going to do that. He's played twenty two years. Are you kidding me? At the time I said yeah. this, he's played twenty two years. He's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. He's not going to retire. He's going to weigh. He's going to measure. He's he's going to project what it's going to cost to actually build the project. Metaphorically speaking, of course, he's going to actually weigh and measure his decision. He's not going to just willy nilly retire and walk away, Luke, and then come back, which is exactly what he did. <laughs> so, oh, so here you are. So here we are. I, once I again. Was, I, no, Tom, I'll give you one strike. Not to. I thought he would come back with the Niners last year, and he obviously did not do that. Um, all right, let's go over to well, Seattle. The, the odds of him actually going to the Niners have increased dramatically yeah. because of their quarterback situation. Well, and Miami makes sense. Uh, Miami also doesn't have the 21st pick in the draft this year because they lost it for 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 tampering with Tom Brady. I mean, that's why they don't have <laughs> that's why there's one less pick in the first round of the draft this year. That's awesome. Uh Geno Smith, 3 years, 75 million with the Seahawks. Did you expect that? Oh my goodness. This is this is bad. No, I did not. I I think this is going to be bad. The ghost of expectation will haunt Geno Smith going forward. The ghost of expectation. There's been a lot of quarterbacks that when you didn't expect anything from them, they went out and they perform. Yeah. They they do it. Like Geno Smith. Not, not a lot of not a lot of pressure on them to perform. When you expected nothing from them, they'd go out and they'd deliver. When you expect a lot out of them, Now, all of a sudden, it changes the brain, my brothers. It does. It changes the mind and and the mindset. And suddenly, everything is different when you have to prove it. Um... Yeah, I think this could blow up in the Seahawks' face. They have the fifth pick in the draft, and it looks like $40 is is guaranteed. I'm seeing 40 and 30000000 million. I don't know. But somewhere between 30 and $40 million is guaranteed for Geno Smith. And they have the fifth pick in the draft, so am I to assume they're not using that on a quarterback? I mean, that was kind of the thought anyway. Most mock drafts have them getting like a Tyree Wilson or a Willie Anderson, if, the, if you're looking at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. Um, but think where you were a year ago with the Seahawks. Wasn't the thought like, okay, well, then just get through this year, 
finished. I mean, this is what I thought yes. Seattle was. Gonna, I thought Seattle was going to finish near the bottom of the standings this past year. They obviously didn't, and then they would get their quarterback of the future and and re up whether it was C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or whatever because of the trade. They have the fifth pick in the draft because Denver was so bad. Yes, but if you just re upped with Geno Smith for three years. Are you going to take a quarterback right there? Yes. Um, okay, who, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Who was the backup quarterback? It's it's totally spacey. Gardner Minshew. Right now. Yeah. Gardner Minshew. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, suddenly, when he was given the opportunity, right? He wasn't as, yeah. He wasn't yeah. as good. That's the pro- that's another classic example. And there's a lot of of examples of backup quarterbacks that have actually done really really well when you expected nothing from them and then struggled when they became the starter. Uh also real quick and we only have a few seconds, but did you see the Titans? There's a rumor out there they're shopping Derrick Henry. Why would you shop Derrick Henry? Um, because he get a, he's getting a little long in the tooth. Yeah, but he's not human. Yeah, I know, and he's a running back right now, and he's taking a lot of hits. Given that's a lot what of hits I think. Too. Oh yeah. Oh, listen. If you're telling me somehow, some way, the Arizona Cardinals say, "Yeah, we'll take him." Yeah, I'm good. So, so who were the two running backs? I meant to bring this up with you because sometimes we just get those those like odds emailed to us. Are you getting these two? One of them was what is Joe Mixon's next team, and the Cardinals yeah. were second on that list. Yeah. And there was one other prominent running back. It wasn't Boy, Derrick I'll Henry. Take Joe Mixon all day right now. But the other team, the, the the other big name running back, the Cardinals were second on that list too. Are the Cardinals looking for a big name I running back? Don't think so. I think they have one in James it, Conner. It'd be interesting, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm very, I'm fascinated. That's the one thing I can't wait to see. If in fact JG is going to come in here and Drew Petzing is going to come in here and change the offense where it's more downhill, ooh. James Conner, downhill. Here we go. All right, when you come back, who do you want to see the Suns play in the first round of the playoffs? Who do you think they need to avoid, or does it even matter now that they have Kevin Durant? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.